this is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Rachel Medbury, a thoracic surgeon with cardiothoracic and vascular surgeons in Austin, Texas. Dr. Medbury, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thanks so much for having me. Now, before we jump into the questions, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. I knew at a relatively young age, uh, at the age of 10, that I wanted to be a surgeon. I think a lot of people probably thought it was a fleeting idea and didn't really think that I would follow through with it. But uh, as I progressed throughout um, high school, I uh, went and toured colleges with my dad that uh, had strong pre-medical programs and ended up at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. There I did complete uh, a pre-medical tracked along with uh, majoring in biology and a philosophy minor, and then actually ended up staying at Emory for uh, medical school. Uh, when I went into medical school, uh, once again, was pretty uh, sure that surgery is what I wanted to do. And then once I actually got on my surgery rotation during the third year of med school, it was um, without a doubt the tract that was meant for me. Uh, and then once again, stayed at Emory uh, for my general surgery training. Uh, we had a um, hospital in Atlanta called Grady. It's our county hospital uh, that had a big trauma center, but also serves a lot of the uninsured um, uh, population of the city. And I knew it was kind of where I wanted to learn how to be a doctor and how to be a surgeon. When I started uh, general surgery residency, I actually thought I wanted to be a general surgeon. Uh, but then quickly realized that there were some things about general surgery that I didn't love as much as I thought. And also at the same time, I managed to uh, do a rotation in thoracic surgery. Uh, I really loved who I worked with uh, in thoracic surgery. I loved the cases. Uh, I seemed to really enjoy it. Uh, I took a couple years to do some research during residency and did some more um, work with thoracic surgery. And Uh, It was then that I kind of fell in love with uh, the field and decided that that's ultimately where I wanted to land. So I did my um, cardiothoracic surgery fellowship following my general surgery residency. And a grand 10 years after finishing medical school, I was finally done with training. And I uh, found an awesome job in Austin, Texas with a great group uh, that's been around for almost, or, or just a little over 60 years actually, and um, they uh, hired me as one of their general thoracic surgeons, and here I am. Well, fantastic. We're really glad to have you here and and super excited to talk to you a little bit about what it's like to be a female thoracic surgeon. So that jumps into my first question. Um, What was it like to be the first female thoracic surgeon in Central Texas? Yeah, so it was both exciting and daunting at the same time. Exciting because it is, uh, you know, fun to be uh, a leader and uh, pave the path for uh, other women, um, but also a little bit crazy that here we are in uh, 2020, and um, I'm the first female thoracic surgeon in in Central Texas. It seems like surely there must have been someone else before me, but turns out there was not. So. Um, I was excited to be the first. Um, I'm excited to, uh, you know, break that glass ceiling, if you will, and open up possibilities for other women. 
um, cardiothoracic surgery is very male dominated and um, you know we need more women in the field and uh, there's got to be a first time for everything and so I'm happy to be that person in Central Texas. Absolutely. And in being somebody who, you know, a female surgeon within a more male dominated specialty like that, what do you think is the unique perspective that you bring into conversations or the ability to treat patients? I think women in general um, perhaps are a little bit more patient and a little bit more empathetic. And I've found that patients tend to um, connect a little bit better with their female physicians. And I think um, as a female surgeon in particular, uh, you know, there's just a little bit more of a unique bond uh, with those patients. Um, I recently had a baby, and so I think a lot of uh, my patients connected with me on that level. You know, they viewed me not only as their surgeon, but also as a mom, and perhaps makes, um, makes me a little bit more approachable. Uh, I do think that... Um, you know, there is a little bit of a stereotype in what I'm about to say, but, you know, women tend to, um, like I said, be a little bit more uh, compassionate, uh, perhaps, uh, maybe a little bit finer attention to detail. Um, and I think patients really do enjoy uh, interacting with their female uh, uh, surgeons and female doctors. That is not to say that the um, male doctors do not have those qualities. Many of them absolutely do. Um, but I do think that uh, patients enjoy uh, interacting with a female. Absolutely. I think that's great perspective. And now, how are you thinking about career growth and development in the coming years? Um, so I think it, no matter what your field, um, I think you have to focus on networking uh, and making as many connections as possible, especially within your community. And I think once you um, build those connections with other professionals, um, so in my case, networking with other surgeons and with other uh, referring physicians, um, you know, it can help you grow your practice. I also think it's important to network outside of your field, so networking with, like, hospital administration or, um, you know, it, medical industry, uh, I think it's important to do that as well because I think that you have a real possibility to be a leader in other ways, not just as a physician. Uh, so whether or not that's being on a, you know, a, a leadership council within the hospital or working with medical industry to develop a new device that you could use in the operating room, I think you have to consider all of those uh, possibilities. And like I said, just really be open to network and make those new connections. And I think uh, as you do that, your um, impact grows and you can be that much more successful. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Now, before we wrap up here, I wanted to ask you about leadership. What are your top three pieces of advice for women aspiring to be clinical leaders in male-dominated specialties? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked me that. Um, the first thing I would say is don't listen to the haters. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I have been told so many times throughout my life that um, I'm either too nice to be a surgeon or that I'm, quote, crazy for being a surgeon or that I'm crazy for going into cardiothoracic surgery. And, you know, that's just somebody else's opinion. And 
I would just encourage people, don't listen to that. If you have a dream and there's something you want to do, it doesn't matter what others think. Don't let them try to talk you out of it if it's what you really want to do with your life. Uh, the second thing I would recommend people is that small opportunities can really lead to big rewards. So, for example, um, if somebody invites you to get a cup of coffee, definitely go get that cup of coffee because you never know what, what might come of that relationship. Um, some of my biggest successes have come from a small introduction. So, for example, um, I met uh, a woman at a conference that I went to almost a, uh, 10 years ago, and she ended up being not only one of my biggest mentors throughout my career, but made other introductions that opened so many doors for me uh, over the coming years. And uh, I didn't know it at that time, but that small opportunity led to a really big reward. And then the last thing that I would recommend uh, or my last piece of advice is that it's okay to ask for help. You do not have to be superwoman and do it all. And what I mean by that is if you need somebody to do your laundry or clean your house or cook your meals or help you raise your kids, um, it is okay to ask for help uh, because I don't think that you can overextend yourself and be successful. So I think you really have to be careful of trying to take on too much. Um, otherwise, you might lose sight of your true goal and get too overwhelmed. So it's okay to ask for help. Dr. Medbury, I love all those pieces of advice from, you know, number one being not listening to the haters, number two, small opportunities can reap big rewards, and then number three, asking for help. I think all three are so important for women looking into leadership roles. And I appreciate you sharing with us a little bit about how you've been able to be successful. Dr. Medbury, thank you so much for this fascinating discussion. I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Well, thank you so much. It was great to talk to you today.